0: Hello, everyone. It's another edition of the Ramos Law Podcast, and today I have with me one of my favorite people in the whole world, the one and only, the amazing, the beautiful, talented, the incredible Megan Stevenson.
1: Aw, thanks, Jim. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Welcome,
0: Megan. And I know that we've talked about doing this for a while, and I'm just really excited about what you're going to share with our audience about what you do, how you do it, and some of the, the processes by which you create the magic you create here at the firm. And I think one of the ways that you do that is because of what you've been through, where you've gone in your personal journey. So if you don't mind, we'll, we'll go into some of that and we'll take it where it goes and we'll see what happens. But I know that everyone listening is going to get an absolute treasure trove of information from what you have to share. Happy. Right. I'm happy
1: to be here. Happy to be here. So let's start at
0: the beginning. You as a young woman are going about your business, doing your thing in life You're in high school and you come into something that no child should ever experience. And, and, uh, I want to see if you might just share a little bit about that and how it brought you full circle into your literally your career path.
1: Well, yeah. Um, so April eighth, nineteen ninety seven, I was headed with three friends um, to lunch from high school. It was a Tuesday. It was a rainy, cloudy Tuesday, and uh, my friend that was driving was going way too fast for conditions and lost control of the car. He hit a tree head-on. We flipped on our side, wrapped around another tree. Two of of my friends were ejected. Um, My friend Tony, who was driving at the time, he was killed on impact.
0: And as you, I realize this is really tough, and thank you so much for sharing it. And feel free, we got clean (laughs) air. We got all the tools that we need around here. Uh, these are real experiences yeah. and they affect us for the rest of our lives and and from your emotion and I think you and I've had this conversation several times and you've shared it with our clients here at the law firm literally when you have that kind of trauma it affects every cell in our body right in your right. body because they all remember this and and so coming back to it now even it's it's poignant and it's powerful
1: yeah and you know the crazy thing right now that I'm feeling is um I haven't cried about that in a really long
0: time Mm. it's your beautiful soul
1: (laughs) thanks Jim Um, you know the hard thing for me is I I pass by where that accident happened every single day Mm -hmm. every single day there's scars on the trees so it's just a reminder that it's real Um, and I miss him uh, he's been he's been gone for over twenty years now. It's crazy, right? It's that long, yeah. I guess Time it.
0: goes really fast. It really does. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, just at twenty years. I, well, now a little bit longer than twenty years. Holy cow! Um, but in that whole process, I, I I obviously was I was injured. I had uh, twenty broken bones. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. I had fractured my pelvis in eight places. Um, my leg. My right leg was severely fractured, and um, I'm lucky to still have it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I I thought about, well, you know, just going through that process, what, what helped me is I was dealing with my own physical injuries. So I wasn't really dealing with the emotional side of, of the impact of how an accident like that can change your life. Um, as I was healing, I became... More passionate about telling my friends, wear your seatbelt, drive slow, um, Did they listen? be safe.
0: As you were talking to your friends, were you able to have an impact even at that young age? With, um,
1: with my close friends, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, they still talk about it to this day, about how that day is memorable to them.
0: Yeah. Even though
1: they weren't there, they got, they got the rumor mill around high school that Somebody was killed at lunch, and there was a white Mustang, and uh, one of my closest friends, Carmen, (laughs) she just brought this up the other day. She was supposed to be in that car with us. Wow. Yeah, and, um, and she didn't go, but she was the first one at the hospital. She knew exactly when she heard the rumor. she knew. She knew what had happened, and... She was hoping that it wasn't me who was dead. So I'm I'm thankful every day that that I survived that, and um, I feel like now, fast forward, that I understand the nature of of how an auto accident can affect your entire life, and not only your life, but your family's life, and your community, and your work, and. And uh, it just, you know, shakes everybody, no matter how big the impact. Mine was severe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people who have never been through any kind of tragedy, they get, you know, rear-ended on the, the highway and they're hurting and they're, it's not their fault. And so they go through this, this stage of being frustrated and angry. And um, here at Ramasai, I really, really enjoy helping them through that, that process.
0: Yeah, because you've seen it. Right. And it's so interesting because me on the provider side, you know, when I was treating tons of auto crash cases as a chiropractor, I didn't see them in the position where you were. I saw them come in with horrible headaches, neck pain, agitation, fear of being on the road, sleeping issues, knee pain, shoulder. I saw the musculoskeletal stuff, but you went through it to the max degree and that I think that chasm is one of the things that helps us being doing what we do each within the firm to have the ability to talk to someone because if they are in a minor accident, they think, well, I shouldn't be this hurt. And then they start feeling like, am I milking the system? Am I freaking out? What's going on? But the physiology and the mechanics and the biomechanics, it all leads up to potential injury. But yet you on the other side can talk with someone at any level, whether it's minor, major impact, or even catastrophic.
1: Right. Um, And I think a lot through my healing process, I realized that you know, even though I had severe injuries, just just going through something like that, where your life is disrupted and you are not fault, is a big deal, and it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, you had no it's, control,
1: and you have no control over it. Like, you know, it's it's just. Um, I hope that I, that everybody who goes through something tragic like that can can come out on the other side.
0: And how, how do you, with your job here, you're the lead paralegal, you have all these people underneath you, including you train a lot of the attorneys, you've worked with me many times as I was kind of cutting my chops in this industry, what do you do to help your team be sensitive to the emotional side? Because you're so high in your what I call your EQ, right? Instead of your IQ, which you're super intelligent, your EQ is off the charts, your emotional quotient, emotional intelligence. Not all, not everybody's equipped like that. How do you go about instilling that in your team to make that connection, whether it's, and it bleeds outside of the office, right? With clients. I mean, it's just human to human. How how do you teach that?
1: Well, um, it's not always easy and not everybody's listening. Yep. But I would think that it's just being kind to people, Mm -hmm. being kind to people, listening to them, and understanding, um, even, even if I'm training somebody, I have to listen to what their background is. And, you know, I was, you know, number one on the debate team and, you know, I'm here to argue and fight and all this stuff. And it's like, well, easy time. Yeah. We got to We got to take a step back and really understand what these people are going through and love on them and help them on the emotional side. And what I found in, in my position that if you just feed the kindness part of it, uh, Everything else comes naturally,
0: and so the kindness you're saying, for example, when someone gets in a crash, they're typically agitated. They have damage to their car or have it totaled. They might not be able to work. They're in pain, which also makes us agitated. How do you look for the kindness, or how do you instill that into that person, knowing that they might be really crabby and upset? What What do you do there?
1: Patience. Patience. You gotta let them be crabby. You gotta yeah. let them be angry because it is frustrating. A lot of times when people are in accidents, they, they become the, in, on this roller coaster of financial distress. You know, not everybody has saved up money to pay for the, the co or the deductible or this, that, and the other. Or the and rent. That, or the rent. Yes. Because they're missing time from work because they can't work because of their injuries. And um, you got to really put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, not pass blame that, oh, everybody needs to be prepared. Well, that's not how the world is. You know, most people aren't prepared for something, even if it's a a tiny accident. They're not prepared for what comes next.
0: Right. And for the people listening who maybe have never gone through what you've gone through and so many of our clients have gone through, What does come next? Just If you could help them understand from a perspective, because maybe they know someone or live with someone in an accident, but they're not feeling it. So the person gets in a crash, they're hurting, their world is turned upside down. How do they navigate those waters typically, um, or what do they need to watch out for be careful?
1: Um, I think the the number one thing is just check on each other. Check on your, your friend or relative that's hurt. Make sure that they have all the tools they need to, to get better. And all they want is somebody to, to vent to sometimes. Unfortunately, in the in the first couple of months of an accident, no matter how tragic, it's frustrating because you're dealing with the you know lack of of, of money, you're dealing with these this pain that you didn't have, you're typically dealing with lack of sleep, which is scientifically proven to make people agitated. Right. Um, so just being understanding and patient with that person and see, you know, even if you can just bring them coffee one day mm-hmm. or, or listen to them, you know, talk about what they need to talk about and just be patient with them and they'll get through it, but they need friends. Um, a lot of times in this industry, I, I've become their best friends. Right. And at the end of the case, they're, they're struggling with how am I going to make it through life without you? I mean, right. not to not to you know boast or anything. It's just we have this connection. And I feel the same way for them. You know, mm-hmm. we've we've gone through it for years together and helped each other through so much stuff. That I, I take I take from them what they give to me, and and we're you know friends. That's so, beautiful.
0: <laughs> and you know, I will tell you, looking at it from the other side, I was. Spouse of someone who was in a car accident. You know, Shauna, yeah. you know, we've yeah. been friends of ours for a long time. And when she went through that, I learned as a partner how to be more patient, and you use that term, right? And how to be more kind, and you use that term. So, what you just said, I experienced where I realized, and it took some time, where she couldn't do what we normally did, right? Whether right. it was in exercise or even she couldn't even unload the dishwasher. Right. Because bending down hurt her neck too much. And so for me to be willing, I had to understand that I had to be willing to take on some new roles or new steps within my role within our relationship. And it was the best teacher that I could have had. It made our relationship stronger because I tried to remain open and use this thing as a teacher for me. And I don't know if you've seen that a lot through the clients that you've worked with, that people evolve and they become hopefully better after going through the worst of it.
1: You hope they become better. Um, I, have, I have been through the process with clients where a spouse can't deal. And, you know, when you take those marriage vows, it's for better or for worse, sickness and health, and, and it doesn't cut it. And when I'm, when I'm dealing with a spouse, the broken one, if you will, they, uh, I remind them that, you know, sometimes stuff just happens for a reason. Sometimes that all came together because they're not, they're not the one. Mm. And, and that's okay to move forward with, too.
0: Right. Um, Self-awareness.
1: Just,
0: yeah. yeah. Wow. That was crazy. And I'm telling you, you should have a psychology degree. Because I watch <laughs> you run around, and you're hugging everyone in the office. And and you're really part of that glue that makes our culture special and what it is. Did you always grow up with that? As is, is that just your fiber? Or did you learn that through this trauma? Or did it grow over time? How did you become that? kind of, I'll just call you, for lack of a better term, an esoteric term, a light being where you really look to to bring people together through love?
1: Uh, you know, it definitely was my childhood. Um, I had a pretty rough upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody knows this, but one of my very first memories is my dad beating my mom up oh. and having to go to the emergency room, and, and she had to have uh, stitches in her head, and she lied. She lied about who beat her up, and I was probably four, maybe. Wow. Um, and so that kind of, that still is instilled in me that I will not let anybody treat me that way mm-hmm. because I didn't understand why she allowed that to go on for so long. Um, but one thing that kind of, I've kind of given my, my absent father a grace now is because I realized he was never loved. He grew up in a, in a really rough environment, and he didn't know how to love.
0: So he was expressing what he knew in a very horrific way, and he was acting out because of these impulses because right. he didn't know how to love.
1: Right. Wow. I've always said that. He is absent in my life because he loves me so much. Mm. Wow, the ultimate dichotomy. Right. <laughs> Interesting. But that's how I... You know, I, I flipped that around in my brain, something so tragic that, you know, I don't know his whole story mm-hmm. and I don't know how he became that person. So therefore I can't, I can't understand it. So I just have to forgive it yes. and know that, that I was loved, you know, mm-hmm. and I joke with my mom all the time cause she loved my, my father more than probably anybody. Mm-hmm. And, um it was really hard for her to give that relationship up, even though it was so abusive. She just loved him. And I, I joke with her and go, mom, you gave me this light because I was conceived in true love. Right. Right. (laughs) Totally.
0: That's brilliant. And now look, now you're a a mom and a wife and you, I know the relationship you have both with uh, Jamie and with Ash and how things are going. And you're such a supportive part in what they're doing right on the business side and, and, Ash and his hockey and all the things he's got going on. How have you taken what you've learned from here at work and transplanted it there or vice versa, things that you've learned now as a a wife and a mother and use them to be kind of our mama bear here, right? That's what you are. You're essentially the mama bear to the the then mother of all 60 of us or whatever we got going on. How have you worked those together?
1: Well, you know, they're my, they're my safe place. Uh, They've seen me, In raw form, (laughs) (laughs) and and raw. Yeah, my you know my poor son has felt my other side of my passion. Do better, work harder. You know he's fifteen, almost sixteen, and so we're having the you know parental struggles struggles there. But I (laughs) (laughs) dealing with a teenager at home, he's seen the you know get your get your stuff together. Conversation and it's usually not a conversation. It's me uh, screaming at the top. It's of my a head. monologue. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so um, and they love me through it. They love me through my bad side too, mm-hmm. and, and I think that um, they're so patient with me um, because I do bring a lot of what I carry from work and and my empathy for people home, and they they just listen and a compassionate.
0: They're great. And
1: hug. <laughs> uh, your family's
0: so great. And I have the chance to, to know both of them and hang out with you guys occasionally. And it's, it's wonderful to see you in dynamic. And I think what kind of interests me with all of us, the more you have capacity to love or to be, gregarious now going, or to be ridiculously funny, there's always an opposite side to the coin. So the people who are not up Tend to not go down very far, right? Right. And some people call that mania, but I think there's a normal. There's two sides to every coin. Like, you know, what I find with myself is when I'm really on point and I'm really outgoing, there's a side to me that doesn't want anybody around me. I'm just very secluded. Right. I want to just kind of retreat into my own space. And so it makes sense with as much as you give here every day, that you're going to have that volatility on the other side of love on this side and. And they kind of balance each other all the time. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but that's what I've kind of found in my
1: life. Oh, totally. And I, I for my family, I, I give, I'm thankful that they give me so much grace.
0: We all. Like to, <laughs> yeah. They, so Shauna's all really middle name grace. should be Grace. grace. The, she <laughs> deals with, with me on half the days that we're around <clears> each other. So I want to transition into something It makes and let me know where we go with this. But, what people sense and hear, and how they go through an accident and a trauma trauma is trauma is trauma and there's a lot of different ways that it expresses itself in our world right we have love at every level and we have trauma at every level and not only did you go through this this physical trauma but you've gone through something that literally was an epic trauma in the recent history of our nation and depending on how you feel about this and where it goes what's we'll kind of right go easy and, and prod through it but You happen to be at the Las Vegas shooting at the music festival with and it's just over a year now, right? Hasn't it been? Two years.
1: Two years. Two years years
0: already. October first. Two years already. Man, and I know you were there. And so I don't want to take anything from the details that you want to share. So I'm gonna let you start that story and we'll just kind of see where it goes. Cause I think there's lessons to learn because most people don't know someone who was there. So they can hear directly from you
1: how this went down. Right. Um so we were on the third day of the festival, and we were just having a great time. My girlfriends and I, including uh, Paige Ramos, went the very first year we went. Um, that's Dr. Ramos's wife. We have done that music festival for three years and um, love it. It's a great time. It's a great girls' trip. We just go mm-hmm. and listen to live music and have some beers. We're in Vegas, and it's just an amazing time. And unfortunately, the, the last year we went, um, you know, somebody— and get one of my hugs, and he was angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, he he made a huge impact on twenty-two thousand lives, and unfortunately, uh, fifty-eight people were killed, uh, eight hundred and eighty-seven or something like that were injured, and there was complete chaos all around us. And luckily, me and my six girlfriends who were there made it out. Um, we ran for our life.
0: Wow. And did you know what was happening pretty quickly you from just your sense of things or was it really unclear? Was there was chaos for sure, but the sounds of of bullets flying around, when did you realize something's horribly wrong here?
1: Well, the the first round of um, fire, my two girlfriends in front of me, they turned around and they looked at me and my girlfriend's like, what was that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was fireworks or maybe the speaker. Because it was just like pop, 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 and um, then the second round went off. And a guy that you know kind of was our marker the entire day because he had this bright white T-shirt. He was standing in the same spot. We were, you know, we're people of of habit, so we go to the same spot so everybody can find each other. And um, we were standing right by this guy the whole day, and he turned around and and had blood all over him and he he said run
0: did you know this person or no he? no and so right there in the minute it goes from confusion to oh my goodness oh we my are God. something is incredibly wrong right now did you know what it was no. when he said run did you i have an idea it was a shooter
1: no i mean i i mean yeah i guess yes um because you could hear it, and I've never really heard gunfire before, stuff on TV. Okay, yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> okay. It's not the same live in action, and surrounded by a, a ton of, hotels in Las Vegas, yes. and you're at a music festival, and it's, it's out of real, context, right? I mean, it shouldn't
0: be there, and it so it sounds very, fam- very foreign, right? Yeah,
1: and um, we we took off and we ran, and hit the ground because it. Everybody said get down, and so we were following, you know, people's instructions. And then when we we're on the ground, they said you got to move, and so we were army crawling through a series like the the chairs that were tipped over. I don't, you know, if you've seen the the scene photos, you'll see that there's a whole grassy area with a ton of camping chairs, and we fought our way through that and and a ton of people too. Then get up and run again, mm. and then get down again, and then run again, and then get down, and then we were huddled around in a um, hot dog stand, and one of my girlfriends just was um, she was FaceTiming her husband in Minnesota, and
0: she was letting him know what was going on. Yeah. Was she saying goodbye, or was she saying, I "So was that we make it through this"?
1: She was saying goodbye.
0: Because the bullets were hitting the hot dog stand, if I remember. The right.
1: bullets were hitting all around us. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was raining bullets. And um, she was saying goodbye to her husband, and I was yelling at her, I'm like, hang up your phone. I had a lot of other words on there. I was very <laughs> passionate. <laughs> so hopefully that wasn't recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was yelling, hang up your phone. This is not the day we die. And her husband's her listen listen to Megan just listen to her I can't hope you listen to her and um, we we got out of there a huge group of, of men knocked down a, a, a fence a metal fence that was in concrete. I mean they were rushing it rushing it and you could see we could see from the hot dog stand that they were they were making their way to push it over right. A metal fence. A metal
0: fence. So they weren't going over it. They were going through it.
1: Through it. Okay. Because there was a ton of people that needed to get out.
0: Yep. And by this time things are still happening Oh yeah. I
1: mean it went on for ten minutes. So oh, wow. by the time that we made it to a safe spot, which was in the Tropicana Hotel, um it was still going on. It wow.
0: Was, that has to be the longest ten minutes of your entire life.
1: It was Um, and they say, before you die, you see your children and, um, my son, he helped me get out of there. He did. (laughs) You saw
0: his face skating and running (laughs) and you're like, I got to get home to, I got to get
1: home to Ash. It's so crazy. He was like a hologram in front of my face. While I was running. Wow. It was, I mean, the the mind is unbelievable. And when you're dealing with those kind of emotions and that adrenaline, my mind just let me see my son.
0: Did you tell him that?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Now he probably uses it against you, right? Like mom, I'm always in your head. (laughs) There's a there's a thing of
1: me, just remember me. No. (laughs) You know, I try to push that on onto him that. You know, you're, you're bigger than you think you are and, and what you give back to people is memorable. So continue to, to love and have kindness. And, and because he was, he was angry. He was angry that this happened to his mom. Mm -hmm. And he was 13. Right. Right. And when they're 13, they have so many hormones going on. Yes. And, uh, I wanted to make sure that that my tragedy and and that event didn't breed evil in other okay. people.
0: Wow. So how do you feel about the
1: shooter? I feel sorry for him. I truly do. I think, you know, something, something went wrong somewhere. Uh, <clears throat> and whether you're born with that, which I just don't think you are, or... You know, something else in your brain is that there's a chemical imbalance. I don't know. Um, but I really feel sorry for his mom, too, because she's still alive. And she's had to live, you know, in her late 80s, knowing that her son did this. Right. And that has got to be horrible.
0: Do you think anyone reached out to her?
1: I doubt following it. Following all this? <laughs> I doubt yeah. I mean, you hope. I I don't even know where to look to do that, but I have a lot right. to tell her that, you know, I don't hate her. Yeah. You know, and that we love her, too. Right, right. And this is really sad. Totally sad. Because yeah. she lost her son, too. Yeah. You know, he took his life, and he took the lives of 58 people with him and, and damaged all these lives, but we're still here to kind of make through, you know, and I, I, I just don't know what kind of guilt you have as a mother. Well
0: Did you going through that I, I can't imagine that guilt either and there's lessons in everything if we look for it right and i don't i'm interested from your perspective can you see the lesson or lessons the reasons that you may have gone through this helped made you better stronger have you been able to, to find that through your recovery process from this
1: yes um and more recently uh when i was in my car accident when i was 16 I was dealing with physical injuries, and and emotional, and, you know, some PTSD, but it was mostly physical. I I think the physical injuries helped me get through everything else. This incident was pure mental, and um, that is a lot, that takes a lot longer to heal. Um, I'm just now getting over the hump. I feel like I have less anxiety. I can... I know how to manage it, I guess. Um, But the lesson, what I'm taking from it is now I have a family of 22,000 people. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. And we're all in it together. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much kindness that came out of it. It was just unbelievable. I mean, every country fan that was there Turned around and started helping people and, and and loving people and helping them through whatever they needed. I we stayed in a, a room of a New York. who's a New York cop and a hairdresser, and I thank them all the time for giving us a safe space to get cleaned up because we were we were covered in blood, wow. and they um, gave us security when we needed it most. Wow, and they're total strangers. Total strangers yeah. just reaching yeah. out to help. Yep. So now I have a family of twenty-two thousand people. <laughs> Thanksgiving's gonna be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and um, they, if you're having a rough day, you reach out and 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 they lift up.
0: What did you do? Um, and maybe it went phases. Like, how did you get through this? Was there a thing where a day where you said, "I need time to myself and and kind of recluse"? I know that when. We welcomed you back. Our our stance for you was we are here at whatever level you need us. Right. Whether it's come in and be loved and supported and do no work, just come in and be loved, or take some time, get right, do your thing. We're here for you. Was, was there a phase of that professional help involved, um, you know, exercise? I don't know. What were, what were kind of the phases of, of how you come through this? The
1: first week was um... – Exhausting. 72 hours without sleeping. Can't sleep.
0: So you just kind of sat and just tried to deal?
1: Yeah, well, you watch the news and um, support your friends and listen to other stories uh, to remind you that like it really happens because it, it doesn't feel like it like something like that should ever happen and um, you're physically sick um, all of us dealt with they said it's the fight fight or flight hormone that um, and then adrenaline when you go from a happy you're kind of you know, buzzing off a couple of beers you had to complete stress. Uh, your, your body doesn't like that. Right. Um, it responds well. My body responded very well, but it didn't like it. So you're, you're sick. You can hardly eat. Um, and you're just, you're tired and, and sad, sad for the world. Um, we're watching the news and realized that a couple that we were you know, hanging out with the whole, the whole time they, she was killed and he was shot twice. And, um, and she had two babies. Uh, her son was Ashon's age, my son's age. And she had a kindergartner and just to know that he won't have his wife with him and they won't have their mother.
0: Because incredibly difficult. I mean, yeah. I can't even fathom <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't either. And and then you're just you come to a level of just gratefulness. Um, tons of friends and family of course stop by. Everybody wants to see you. Um, everybody wants to love you. And you, I just became this this person where I, I for for months after there, when I knew I hadn't seen somebody since the tragedy. I had to prep myself that it was going to be a very emotional greeting
0: because you're going to Uh, have to go through the story because they wanted to know what happened, kind of thing. No, okay.
1: It was when people would see me for the first time and we would hug because I'm a hugger. I hug everybody. Right. Um, It became very emotional for them. I see. And then emotional for me, and it's like there was a there's a moment of almost like grieving. It's, it was weird um, but all of that helped me be stronger moving forward because I needed them and and I realized how how much I mean to them and mm-hmm. and they know that they were they need they they're needed in my life too and so it was this beautiful you know love that you know some of you know my brother, like, who's so tough, when I first saw him, he, he just could hardly even look at me because he was, he was so emotional about it. And to know that somebody so tough in my life that's so strong and picks on me all the time or whatever, um, thought that I might have not come home from that and how it affected them of being at like being at your own funeral for a minute.
0: Wow, <laughs> which was crazy. So game changer for your relationships. Totally,
1: totally made them stronger. Um, and then as I grew stronger, I would I'd fight by back by going to public places, going to concerts again. Uh, we were back for a week and went to a Red Rocks concert that a girlfriend and I already had tickets to, and she was in Vegas as well. And um, we went to that concert. We didn't last long. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like our normal, you know, party until midnight. Yeah. Yeah. it's Bell, our favorite band. Bell, right? Yeah, it was we stayed for about an hour and then decided to leave before the crowd. We were just kind of recognizing the stuff that made us uncomfortable. Um, but fighting back and making sure that that man who, who cre- created such chaos in our world, would not take something that we loved, uh, was very healing, not only to us, but to my son and mm-hmm. my family and, to Absolutely. and the people around me like, okay, so this was horrible and horrific, but they keep going. Mm-hmm. And as you keep going, you realize that the world is full of amazing people. Wow.
0: Did you get professional help?
1: Did, um, we all did. I still go, um, when you have a bad day when you have a bad day, you need, you need people to talk to. And all of, all of us went, cool. all of us went to counseling. Um, my husband and son had counseling, uh, but our support group between the six of us was just amazing.
0: And how do you find yourself now? Much On better, your journey?
1: Much, better. <laughs> much better, much better. Um, When something does come up, and I do have a form of anxiety where I'm uncomfortable in a public situation, I I check myself and and make sure that I am focused on the present and that that there are people here that that care about each other, and that if something does tragically happen again, that the good that came out of that—I mean, there was good. Yes. You know. Kindness always wins.
0: Kindness always wins. On that note, I don't know that we can finish on anything <laughs> better than kindness always wins. I would ask you this. Yeah. Is there any tools that you could pass along to anyone listening to this if they're going through what is a tragedy for them? They may never, God forbid, go through anything like you've gone through either as a young lady or two years ago, but can you think of a tool or two that you could pass along for people to deal with in times of stress or when they're under the gun that kind of thing that you've learned get help get help
1: get help lean on your friends talk to people find somebody to talk to because you're not alone
0: wow well I know Megs we feel so blessed to have you here and you are such a part of the spirit of what makes Ramos Law great and what makes me Happy as a person. Coming to work to see you every day is a, is a good day for me. So thank you so much for sharing and for giving of yourself and pouring your story out. And I know that people that listen to it are going to be moved. Thanks, so. Doc. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed that because it was a game changer for me.